If you have your Bible, you can turn to the book of, of Luke, chapter 4. And I, I'm not, what I'm about to say, making light of all of you who need healing in your body. And specifically, last night, I really saw like an open vision of Pam Thals. And I, and I saw her at this altar being prayed for, and that all of the reports that have come forth about her are declared null and void that she is healed by the stripes of Jesus. We refuse anything contrary to that. And I say that to each and every one of you. You will never know the power of the Holy Spirit that wants to operate in your life through your coming into agreement with Him and your confession and your mind lining up with the leading of the Holy Spirit. Not what you think, but what God thinks. And when you come into agreement with God, and you begin to think the way he thinks, then the power of God is a conduit. That You are a conduit for the power of God that's coming through you. Don't ever be moved by contradicting what people say. Don't ever be moved by contradicting what well-meaning, wonderful, educated doctors say. They're telling you to their best of their knowledge what they see, what they feel, what they've been trained in. So don't put them down, but you have a higher source, you have a higher physician. So turn to your neighbor and tell him, I have a higher physician. Of course, if you tell that doctor that, he's going to bring in a psychologist to talk to you. <laughs> I was going to tell you the story real quickly about the first time that I prayed for somebody to be healed in the hospital, and some of you heard this story. I was in Pam's office this morning and I was, I was looking over her anointing oil and one of them was actually a perfume from the Holy Land and I thought, oh, I remember my experience with perfume and uh, that was my first, ex how many of you not heard my story about my first an anointing? Not heard it. Oh, no, oh my goodness, a lot, where have you been? <laughs> pa Pastor, Pastor Doherty asked me to go to the hospital and pray for this lady that was really really in bad shape, and that <clears throat> wanted me to go and anoint her. They, wa they wanted, her sisters wanted her anointed with oil. And uh, I had never anointed anyone with oil, but it didn't look like it was that hard. I've seen it before, and I thought, what, how hard can it be to sprinkle a little oil on your finger and put it on, on the head of an individual? That's normally how it was done. So I hurried up to the hospital there in Tulsa and went in to pray for her. And her three sisters are standing next to her bed. And they were so happy to see me, and the lady was laying there in the bed, and I got the anointing oil out. I grabbed it just before I left the house, and I was shaking it on my finger, and I was praying. And really, my first time, so I was trying to imitate what I'd seen Pastor Doherty and others do. So I was shaking that out, and I'd put it on her forehead, and I said, in Jesus' name, you are healed. And I would look, and the anointing oil just disappeared. It dissipated. It just wasn't working right. And I did it again, and did it two or three different times, and finally I looked down at it, and I had mistakenly grabbed a vial of Pam's perfume. The perfume is beginning to fill the room after two or three shakes right now. Now, as God is my witness, because I have been accused of embellishing things over the years, but as God is my witness, this is the truth. The three sisters raised their hands and said, we can smell the aroma of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and they began praising God. And I am so embarrassed, but I'm the only person that knows the truth. And I'm going to make sure that I leave the room as the only person that knows the truth. Because I told no one. And when I finally got out of there and got in that elevator, I started 
cracking up laughing. It was one of the funniest experiences of my life. So when I saw that vial of perfume she had in there, and then I saw the real one. So you all got the real thing. And I'm not making light of this. This anointing oil uh, through the parish stone ministry comes from Jerusalem. And uh, it has been prayed over. It has been prayed for. And I just thank God for, for every one of you being part of this church. Connie Brown, this morning I got up and I thought I need something humorous to start the service with. And that was a little humorous. But Connie Brown used to send me these uh, uh, emails all the time. Now, for all of you ladies that are here that have blonde hair, uh, I, I do not agree with all the blonde jokes. Remember the blonde jokes that used to go around a lot? I don't believe that. You girls are extremely intelligent. However, the jokes were funny as heck sometimes. <laughs> and, and Connie, being a blonde, would send me these jokes. You haven't sent me those in, in ages. But, uh, but I thought about that this morning. And, and, and I saw this, this one joke. This lady is a, a, applying for admission into this school, and the school asked her, what church do you prefer? And this blonde lady said, red brick. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. You'll have to get that later. And my nose is running, and I have no Kleenex. That is really embarrassing. Thank you, sweetheart. You could be my Kleenex runner. Okay, so it's good to laugh. And what we're talking about today, on a serious note, is, is what the Lord had, had put in my heart for 2014 about staying and being in position for victory. We are going out of here in a blaze of glory, folks. It doesn't matter what the world looks like, and the world is in trouble. The Ukraine, you need to pray for the Ukraine. You need to pray for that Russian communistic uh, 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 demonic force that is not dead. In, in Russia, not the Russian people, but that spirit that's on those Russian people. You know the troops have moved into, some of the Russian troops have moved into the Ukraine. There's tragedy going on in the northern part of the South Sudan. Syria is a turmoil. You go all over the world and there's turmoil. And we like to think we live in a bubble in America that it will never come here. Folks, Jesus said what's going to happen in Matthew 24. He said what's going to happen in 2 Timothy 3. It will not be delayed. It will come on God's time frame. Now, the good news is that the men and women of God are going to be prepared for these times. We're going to know exactly what to do, how to do it, and we're going to go from glory to glory because we're going from victory to victory. And the word of the Lord today is the power of being led by the Holy Spirit. Now, the first series, or not a series, well, it is a series I'm putting together, but the first one was on the power of love. The second one was on the power of your thought life and your mind. And this one is on the power of being led by the Holy Spirit. I thank God when, when we were led to Tulsa, Oklahoma, right after I got saved and met Pam and got her name in the middle of the night and didn't even realize it, that I was being led by the Holy Spirit at that moment. I didn't understand how all of that worked, but we came under the anointed ministry of a man who is one of his primary thrusts, other than the foundation of the Word of God is, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Are you being led by the Holy Spirit? Are you following the leading of the Holy Spirit? Now, unless you, you, you think that I am technologically not with the program, you absolutely are correct. When it comes to all these technological devices, I am not into it because I don't understand all of them and have no desire to understand all of them. I have a desire for somebody to put it in front of me and say, this is all you have to do is push this button and it will work. So I understand from that standpoint of my age and my interest level, I'm not into it. 
But there is something in my spirit that tells me that technology is a detriment if that's your focus. The, the things of this world that are coming into us, knowledge increasing, all these kind of things, and people looking all of the time at these little devices and what everybody's doing and what is this and what is it, it takes your attention away from leading, the leading of the Holy Spirit. The most important thing in your life should be living the Word of God and following the leading of the Holy Spirit because God has a plan for your life. Everybody say, God has a plan, God has a plan. for my life. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, God's got a plan for your life. Now, when I first got saved, one of the first scriptures I ever heard was John 14, 14. And it says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I thought, I can sign on for that. That's a heck of a deal. i got a lot of stuff I want God to do for me. And I thought, now I know in my right mind I would have never done this, but I'm telling you, this is exactly what I did. I thought God was working for me. Now, I know that sounds silly to you. But I thought, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I read a couple of books by some flaky people that said, you say anything you want and God will do it. And I thought, well, I like that. I can serve a God like that. And, and so the first thing I asked for was a Lincoln Continental. <laughs> Never got a Lincoln Continental. I was into things. I was really ready for that stuff. And then I realized that, no, that's not the way it works. I am working for God, and you are working for God. So tell your neighbor, you're working for God. Now, if you're showing up for work, you're concerned about what God wants you to do. And if you get a hold of this message, it will absolutely change your life. The example that God gave me was the military. And now, some of you were in the military, and whatever branch you went in, you love that branch. And, and, and I love my branch. And, but, but in the military, you received your orders, and then you never thought about how it was going to happen. You just did whatever they say. You always thought you would have all the money you needed to do it. You thought you would have all the equipment you needed. You never gave a thought about, I can't do this. I won't have enough money. I won't know how to do it. I won't know where to go. I won't do you never thought about this because you thought the government would take care of everything, which they should. Well, when you are following the leading of the Holy Spirit, that means God has gone ahead and prepared the way and taken care of every need that you have. And I remember when, when I still, well, you guys know, I was struggling in the very beginning. I hadn't been saved that long. But, but all I heard when I would go to pray, Pam would tell me, get your prayer journal. I've advanced to leather, leather right now, hallelujah. But my prayer journals used to be Walmart, 89-cent prayer journals. I still have them from the very beginning, with the exception of the first day or two, uh, uh, that, that, that I found. First day or two, my prayer journal didn't come to pass, so I threw them all away. <laughs> yeah, a man of patience. But, 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 but all I heard was, go to Tulsa and you'll find the meaning for your life. And I remember thinking, and what is the rest of it? That's all I ever heard. Go to Tulsa. And, and I, I'd come home and I'd tell Pam and she said, well, maybe we ought to go to Tulsa. And that wasn't what I wanted to hear. I didn't have any money. Our business was going south fast. And, and, and so I'd go down to the Wabash River. And one day I'm sitting at the Wabash River down there at that little park, Tapoango Park or whatever they call it. And I'm just so frustrated. And I've got a Coke and my Bible and my prayer journal, and I hear nothing but go to Tulsa and you'll find the meaning for your life. How many of you got something similar to that going on in your life? 
Every time you pray, you just keep hearing the same thing and the same thing and the same thing. That thing could very well be God trying to get you in line with where he wants you to go. And I remember taking a swig of that Coke and thinking, God, I just don't know what to do. And it was as if the Lord was saying, how many times do I have to tell you what to do? I'm telling you, I'm telling you. And as I took that swig, there was a bee in my Coke. And that bee got in my mouth and I spit it out. And I remember saying, what's next? And this is what I heard. Go to Tulsa and you'll find the meaning for your life. And finally, I came home and I said, why don't we just go to Tulsa? We can be poor there just as well as we're poor here. Now, you might think that was a bad confession. I had all sorts of crappy confessions back in that era of my life because I didn't know the word of God. I didn't know what God had for me, but I knew that something had changed in my life. Now, I want to show you in Luke chapter 4. It's verse number one. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. Now, who led Jesus into the wilderness? The Holy Spirit did. Why? Because he wanted him to go into the wilderness. Now, I didn't relate to this at the time because I didn't even know the word of God. But I can relate to going into the wilderness. There are two reasons you go into the wilderness. Number one, God sends you. And he's got a plan and a purpose for you being there. And you're going to come out stronger than you went in. Or number two, you're just lost and you're wandering around yourself. And you're not supposed to be in the wilderness. It's better to be number one and do what God said. But that's when the power of the Holy Spirit was upon Jesus. He was tempted by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he didn't eat, but he commanded the devil through the word of God. He passed the test. And then in verse number 14 of Luke chapter 4, it says, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through the surrounding areas. Now, Jesus was full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Who is supposed to be full of the power of the Holy Spirit today? Every single believer. So let's all say it. If you know Jesus, let's say it. I am. If you're full of the power of the Holy Spirit, then you have the power of the Word of God. You have the same power resident within you that Jesus had. And you know where you're going because the Holy Spirit is going ahead and preparing the way and He is showing you. Jesus, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, before the day of Pentecost, prophesied about the day of Pentecost and said, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. When you received Jesus in your life, the power of the Holy Spirit came into your life. And you have that same power that raised Jesus from the dead. So therefore, God wants to show you what the plan for your life is. And if you're not careful, you'll start to orchestrate your own plan and your own purpose. And I remember that night uh, that, that, that uh, I, I prayed and I, I had been through a, a horrible situation in, in a divorce. And many of you are aware of our testimony. And, and I felt like the Lord said, it's over. It's over. And if you're standing for a marriage, if you're standing for something, don't you stop standing. But, you, but, but the most important thing in your life is you need to know when the Holy Spirit has released you from something to move on. And I felt like the Holy Spirit had... And, uh, and, and a few months after that, I was praying one night, and I said, God, if you have anybody for me, just please let me know. But if you don't have, I'd just as soon be alone with you the rest of my life than with somebody that's not of you. And that night, about 2 o'clock in the morning, he just put the name Pam Skelton in my 
in my heart, and, and uh, it, just, it just went off like a beautiful time bomb. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, through a set of, of, of circumstances, he brought us together, but I knew it was the Holy Spirit. When you know it's the Holy Spirit, you, you are confident in him that he is showing you what to do because he cares about each and every one of us. Now, in Jeremiah 29, 11, I want to share this scripture to you and then give you a couple of examples. It says, God knows the plans, the thoughts, the intentions of, of, that he has for you and the thoughts of good and not for evil. And that, 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 that word thoughts means the intention, the plans, and the purposes. Sometimes we look in all the wrong places for what we're going to do with the rest of our lives. How many of you are not sure yet what God wants to do with the rest of your life? Can I see your hand? Now, who does? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit knows what you're called on this earth to do. And if you're not careful, and especially you young kids, you, you go to school and you go to a guidance counselor and they'll tell you how much money this job pays and how much money that job pays and how, what your odds are getting a job over here and what your odds are getting a job over there. I don't put those people down that do that. They're being paid to do that and they're doing a good job. Most important thing is what is the Holy Spirit telling you to do? And you as parents... The most important thing you can do for your child is get them in church, get them in our youth group, get them in our children's group, and let them come into an encounter with the Holy Spirit so that they can know by themselves, consulting with you, that this is what they think the Holy Spirit is showing them to do. And, and no, nothing is more important than being led by the Holy Spirit because it's the power of God that's going to take you where He wants you to go. Now, in John chapter 16, uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn over there because I do want to share this, this scripture with you. John chapter 16, it's, it, we're going to be reading through, uh, or sharing through 5 through 15, but it's basically talking about the leading of the Holy Spirit and how Jesus is giving us the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and all I can tell you in my life over the years, and my knee is working fine, by the way, but all I can tell you in my life over the years is the more and more that I got closer to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit became real to me, it was as if I was thinking outside myself and thinking somebody else's thoughts that was God inside my life. And I want to share a couple of examples and, and, and learning it from Pastor Billy Joe Doherty out there in Tulsa, Oklahoma. When we were on staff out there, at one time, that building... Billy Joe had bought a car dealership. The church was exploding. I don't know how many, two, 3,000 people. And, and they bought a car dealership out there and converted it to a church. What it looked like was a car dealership that was converted to a church. Our church that was converted to a car dealership, it just looked pretty bad. And, uh, and he did what, what he thought he was supposed to do and what most people did in that era of time, and some still do. They, they went to the bank, they borrowed the money, and, and they borrowed. They were in debt $3.3 million dollars. And it got to the point, and during that period of time, that was when the back in, and I think it was Jimmy Carter, but I'm not sure exactly who was president, but the interest rate started hitting around 14, 15% interest. They could not service the debt load on that building. And he was praying one night and said, God, I don't know what to do. The church is growing, but we're having a hard time making payroll. We were there during that whole period of time. But to his credit, we never knew how serious it was until after the fact when he read, and a lot of it came out in the book that he wrote on how to be led by the Holy Spirit. But, but he felt like the Lord woke him up in the middle of the night one night and said, you made a mistake. You did this without consulting me. This is not what I have for you. 
And I never forget when he stood up in front of the congregation and said, I have made a mistake. I have repented before God. We're going to sell this building. We're going to move, get out of debt and we're going to stay out of debt. And through a series of events, when he came into the leadership uh, and the submission to the Holy Spirit, God sent Sam Walton, the richest man, one of the richest men in America at that time, to Tulsa, Oklahoma to find a site for a Sam's Club. They found the one that they liked. It happened to be the church that looked like a car dealership or the car dealership that looked like a church. And they gave them over $3.3 million in one moment of time, took the church out of debt. They, uh, we had extra money after it was all taken care of and they came in and bulldozed the church down and they did it all for the land. I'm telling you, God knows where you are. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, God knows where you are. And it's the following of the leading of the Holy Spirit. And Billy Joe used to say to us all the time, what time do we end? 10.30, okay. Billy Joe used to say to us all, all the time, Pam, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Now, you shouldn't have to conjure up what the Holy Spirit's saying. But I want you to turn to your name and say, pay attention. Because from now on, when people come to me, and I'm going to say, Joe, you know what? I just love this guy's name. Joe, his dad led me to Jesus. Oh, I'm so thankful for his dad. But I'm going to say, Joe, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? And Joe's going to look at me and he's going to say, I believe the Holy Spirit is telling me da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But if he's asking me, I don't know, I'm going to say, Joe, you're too busy doing nothing. <laughs> because you've got to know what the Holy Spirit is saying. Now, this is, this is a couple of stories that happened just recently. And the one lady, I haven't got her permission to tell the story, but she's not here, so I'll tell it anyway. <clears throat> we, the, now, this one is, is, is a while ago that this one happened, and I've shared this story before. But, but we were helping a lady in our church whose uh, husband had died, and, and uh, we did the funeral, and it was a tragedy, a real tragedy. And, uh, and the lady left our church, and, and we were helping her with benevolence, but she moved up north, and we are helping her with benevolence. And back then, we were going through some tight times, and, and it wasn't the, the benevolence that we were helping her with was causing us to struggle per se, but it, it was just... You know, what are we doing helping somebody doesn't even attend our church and they moved away and we never even see them. And, every, and, and sometimes they would ask me, what, what about this benevolence? We do it every week. And I said, well, let me pray. And I pray about it. And I felt the Lord said, continue to help her. And so we just continued on and on and on and on. And one day the lady came into the church. Now, we're following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say there's power there. Tell your neighbor there's power there. So the leading of the Holy Spirit was to help her. Now, are we always 100% right? No, I've not always been 100% right, but I'd rather be wrong thinking I'm right than not doing something. Does that make sense to you? Okay, because you've got to get that deep in your spirit. Otherwise, you'll think, well, I'm not going to do anything because I might be wrong. You will be wrong sometimes, but you'll learn from it. That's what Romans 8.28 says, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. So this lady came in, and she wanted to see me, and she came back to the office, and she sat down there, and uh, she said, I want you to know that I don't need any more help with benevolence. I'm doing great. Finances are taken care of. Everything is fine. I just thank you so much for helping me. I said, well, you're welcome. And she said, I just want to leave a check here for the church. And she laid a check down there. And people have dropped by from time to time and dropped checks off, and you're free to do that anytime you want. We'll be in here, <laughs> we'll be in here Monday. <laughs> we'll be I'll be happy to take him. We'll stay late if you want. <laughs> but, 
But I've, I, I've never, when people have come in with a check, I've never opened it up and looked at it. Uh, so I, and, and as that custom, I just laid the check right there on the desk. And, uh, and so I prayed over it. And the, it would be multiplied back to her. And, and uh, she got up and she left. And, and I thought, well, I better get the check over to the people and let them put it in the bank. I flipped the check over. It's for $16,000. Yeah. Yeah, I was shouting. I was, I, I was so excited. Now, I don't know if we would have had that $16,000 if we hadn't taken care of her through benevolence. But I know this, because we did what God said, God wanted us to have it. And she said, I believe the Lord wanted me to bring this check to you. Oh, glory to God. Tell me, turn your name and say, God will take care of everything. He'll take care of everything. Stop. How many of you are figure-outers? That's a polite way of saying, how many of you are controllers? <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen fingers and people raising other people's hands. <laughs> controllers need to get a grip and let go and let God. And if you'll do that, you'll find it's a whole lot easier to just ask God, what do you want me to do? And if you're not hearing, he's probably already told you what to do and you haven't done it. So you're going to hear the same thing over and over again. Just recently, I did a, a, a service for a lady, a funeral service. And uh, uh, as is the custom with some people, I never want any money ever, ever to do a wedding, to do a funeral service, etc. Sometimes people, out of the goodness of their heart, they want to give you money. And, and, and so I understand that. And I've called people and I said, look, I don't want anything. And they said, look, we want to bless you. Put it in the church. Give it to your wife. Do it. I don't think I've had anybody say that. Give it to your wife. That's a slip. But but anyway, but anyway, uh, I I got this I got this check from this lady, and uh, she sent it to me, and and I knew that she was struggling a little bit with the funeral expenses anyway. But I didn't want the check anyway. So I sent the check back to her, and I said, Look, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate your heart. You do whatever you want to do with that check. But I just want, don't want you to, to feel like you need to give me anything. She came into the church, what was it, two weeks ago. And is it 12000 She came into the church two weeks ago and dropped off a check for $12,000 to bless the church and to bless the ministry. Can you say Hallelujah. <laughs> Now, she, yeah, yeah, give the Lord a hand. See, he's no respecter of persons. And what he's watching, he has everything orchestrated. And so what we do is we just position ourselves. And this is what the series the Lord had given me for this, for this year at, at, when I do minister. In 2014, position yourself for victory. What is your position? Where does God want you? What does God want you to do? How does God want you to handle that report that you just got? How does God want you to handle those people that are spitefully using you? He wants you to love them and forgive them and pray for them. But not just to take a scripture out of the word. Because you can come in here, now listen, I hope you get this, and, don't, and please don't misunderstand me. You can come in here and justify about anything you want to do. You can find a scripture to validate what you want to do, but what you need to do is find a scripture that underwrites what God's telling you to do. Does that make sense to you? God, where do you want me to go? That's how we got to the South Sudan. 
We got to the South Sudan and continue to pray for the Sudan. They're continuing to have problems over there and situations and ethnic situations. But God said, I want you to go to the Sudan and I want you to help them over there. And one thing after another led to $12,000 coming in for the first tournament, $50,000 coming in, $70,000 coming in, getting ready possibly for another tournament. I found another putt-putt golf course that's open to us. Oh, hallelujah. And the guy said, I'll be happy to help you. I'm into putt-putt golf. So anyway, now, what, what does that, all that have to do in John chapter 16? Jesus said in verse number 13, When the Spirit of truth, or the Holy Spirit, has come, He will guide you into all truth. He will speak not on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will tell you of things to come. He will glorify Me, and He will take of what is Mine and declare it to you. In other words, God is going to show you what's to come in your life, what's to come in this world. Sometimes when I when I'm, have been sharing on the, uh, on the end times and what, what is about to happen, and some people say, well, I, I just don't believe that. You don't have to believe it, but Jesus told it it's coming. Matthew 24, 2 Timothy chapter 3, it is not coming, it is in the world today. All hell is going to break loose. But we as believers are going to be okay if we're doing what God told us to do. The darkness is going to intensify. The light is going to intensify. There's a great example of that I was looking at the other day. Some of you probably already seen this. If you go on the Internet and you look on the satellite imagery, you can look at North and South Korea. And, and other areas in the world, too, like that. But in North Korea at night, uh, it's total dark, total black. South Korea is alive, it's light, it's all well. And, and, and it just shows you what demonic forces will do around the world. Folks, we have nothing to be afraid of. Turn your neighbor. You, uh, you have nothing to be afraid of. If you're being led by the Holy Spirit. Todd, I'm sorry I haven't called you back yet, but I'm still ready to. Uh, uh, just thought about that. Everybody says there's nothing to be afraid of. Fear is of the devil, worry, anxiety. All you need is one word from the Lord. God, what do you want me to do? I remember when God told us to go to Tulsa, and it was hard for me. And I told my parents, and it was hard for them. We told your parents, it was hard for them. We told the kids, they weren't very excited. We went out to Tulsa, we got planted, went through the wilderness, came out. Hey, not too bad. God's doing a workout here. Everything's fine. God spoke to us and said, I want you to go back to Lafayette. And I said, I'm not going back to Lafayette. <laughs> Giants back there. I'm going to Indianapolis. I, I would drive up. You would think I'm smarter than I am, but I'm really not. I would drive from Tulsa to Indianapolis to try to find a place for the church. And I couldn't find any place. And uh, it was because I was in the wrong city. And my wife would just look at me, smile, and say, whatever you think, honey. That used to drive me up a wall. Whatever you think, honey. But then when God spoke to us, and I really, and I really let it get settled that God wanted us to come back here. And I said, and uh, <laughs> I said, it's kind of a fleece, but I said, God, if you really want us to go, could you please show me? And Billy Joe called me, and he said, hey, I got, no, he didn't call me. I had Eula May call me, his secretary. And, and, uh, and, and Eula May said, hey, I got a letter here, here from you for somebody from Lafayette, Indiana. And it was Carla Fleener, sent, who Carla Spence at the time, sent a letter to Billy Joe and said, when are you going to start a Victory Christian Center in Lafayette, Indiana? And this letter comes right in my lap, and I said, God, you have such a sense of humor. So then... I tell my parents who were not excited about me going to Tulsa that we're coming back to Tulsa. 
I mean, coming back to Lafayette, they're not excited about me coming back to Lafayette. They think we're doing great in Tulsa. We tell Pam's mom and dad, they're not excited. We tell the kids, they are ready to revolt that we're leaving, now we're coming back. So it doesn't matter what anybody thinks. All that matters is what God thinks. And once you know what God thinks, then you get this issue settled in your spirit. There, there was another time when, uh, and I, I, I will close here in just a minute, but we, we had this uh, Pontiac Safari station wagon. It was the biggest piece of junk <laughs> sold to me by a nice little old Christian man who said, oh, you'll love this car. It was horrible. It looked beautiful. A Pontiac Safari station wagon. Beautiful, beautiful looking car. It was diesel. It was a piece of crap. <laughs> you accelerated, it looked like a bomb went out the back. <laughs> this is not a lie. I pulled out in front of a lady in a convertible in Tulsa one time on Sheridan, and I floored it. Now, when you floored it, first of all, it never went anywhere. All it did was shot smoke out. And, and, and she came through. I am not embellishing this story. She came through this cloud of smoke, and she could have killed me. I just saw the look in her eye. It, it was horrible, horrible piece of junk. Well, it finally stopped running thanks to somebody not putting oil in the car. I don't remember who that was. But, but anyway, it locked up. We, the, car set, the car sat so long in our driveway that weeds grew up into the, car, into the, into the engine. And I knew I could get a couple hundred dollars for the car. And I'm telling you what, a couple hundred dollars back then would be about a couple thousand dollars, maybe more than that right now. And, and I pray about it, and, and uh, I, I knew a, a family that needed the car. Who's, he was an auto mechanic, and, uh, and I knew that he needed a car. And uh, I talked to him one day, and he said, oh, that's a good car. I know how that, that car works. He said, I can get an engine for two, $300, put an engine in there and all. And, and instantly when he said that, this is what I heard. Give him your car. He was thinking about fixing it for me. And, and, and this was her, give him your car. And I said, well, I can give him the car or I can have $200. Well, it was a no-brainer in the natural, but in the realm of the spirit, I've got a contradiction going on. Everybody there? You ever lived with the contradiction? Let me see the hands of all the people who live in the contradiction. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And, and so all of a sudden, it was just like, nope, the issue settled. I trust God more than I trust myself. Give him the car. So we gave him the car. Shortly after that, you think he could tell, I could tell that he did that now? He told me never to tell anybody. What do you think? Yeah, but he's watching. I know he watches me all the time. <laughs> you are so sweet. <laughs> this guy bought a car in Tulsa, and it was a brand-new Chevy Caprice, beautiful two-tone bluish-gray, uh, plush velour seat. It, it, it's so beautiful. And we drove the car on the lot uh, to where we were. I saw the car and I told Pam, I said, wow, if I were going to buy a car, that would be the car. I love that car. Well, fast forward a couple years from that and the whole scenario with this Pontiac Safari wagon. I'm walking out of the Navy Center one day and the guy's sitting in his car. And he said, hey, Bill, come over here. I want to tell you something. I said, what's that? And he said, God spoke to me to give you this car. And I remember it just like it was yesterday. It was like, it was like, is this real? It was like a fog. Is this real? And he said, only one condition. I said, what's that? And he said, don't tell anybody I did it. I said, I can meet that condition. 
And he gave us that car. And I've heard those stories, but I'd never been a recipient or part of that story. I believe with all of my heart that story was tied into giving that Pontiac Safari wagon away. I really do. I believe that I may never know what would have happened had I not. And God could have done it another way. I'm not saying he couldn't do it another way. But everything is intertwined that we don't understand. We only see in part. But if we do what God's called us to do, all of a sudden, this thing happens. It's like, I could have never said, well, I could have, but I, don't, I could have never figured out how to save up that much money to buy a car. And so what happens is, is we're, we're then flowing with the leading of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are two things that are extremely important for you. And if you'll do these two things the rest of your life, and if you'll make this your priority, not a TV set, not a radio, not music, not some technological device, number one, number one, and the most important, you've got to learn to hear the Holy Spirit. It's got to be a discipline. The most important thing, I am going to hear from the Holy Spirit. You've got to have a prayer journal, and you've got to write it down. Don't commit it to memory. Write it down. This is what I believe the Holy Spirit's telling me. It is critically important. This is what I wrote down just a couple days ago. It is critically important my people begin to learn to be totally led by my spirit. Changes, rapid changes are coming. Discipline to hear from my spirit. Remember the Marine Corps days. Remember the drill instructor's voice. Remember how fast you had to learn. Remember the uniformity that was needed. And all of these things that God has put down where sometimes if I'm really in a situation that, oh, I'm just struggling. I can pick it up and I can read it. It's just like the Bible. It is the Bible and the Word of God. It is the Word of God and the current manna of the Holy Spirit. Without this, you will be subject to the world system. With this, you will be above and equipped for everything that God has called you to do. And number two, you've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. Not only hear from the Holy Spirit, but to be led by the Holy Spirit. To be led by the Holy Spirit is to do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. You can hear from the Holy Spirit, give away that car that could be $200 for you, but you're not led by the Holy Spirit to do what He, what he tells you to do. When you fall under the leading of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is responsible. Does that make sense to you? He's responsible to bring everything to pass. But if you want to do it your way, it's as if God lets go and lets you do it your way. I'm going to give you two quick examples of that as we close. So the book of Numbers chapter 13, verse 30 and 31, familiar scripture to many of us in this church because I've preached there a lot, so have others in this church. It's the story of the children of God getting ready to go into the promised land. They've spoken to Moses, they've spoken to the, the, the word of the Lord has come forth by the power of the spirit of the living God. And he's told them, I'm giving you the land. And this is what I want you to do. And he gave him instructions. God always gives you instructions. He won't give you everything, but he'll tell you the next step and the next step and the next step and the next step. And if you do this step, it's like that coal miner's light. Then you'll see the next one and the next one as you step forward. And Joshua and Caleb, when they arrived on the scene, if you're familiar with the story, basically in verse number 30 of Numbers chapter 13, they said, we are well able to take the land because God told us. Four words, we are well able. There were 12 spies that came back and they went into the land and they saw the same thing. Everybody say the same thing. Turn to your neighbor and say, they saw the same thing. These 12 spies saw the same thing. But they came back and they had two reports. Caleb and Joshua came back and they said, we are well able. The 10 spies came back and we said, we are not able. What happened? Caleb and Joshua were seeing what God said. 
They saw what God said by His Spirit, and they were focused on the Spirit. The ten spies were focused on circumstances. Turn to your neighbor and say, He may be talking to you now. I am amazed at how many people are focused on circumstances. The report you just received, the situation that just developed, the the adverse situation that just happened. Circumstance, 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 circumstance. You talk to somebody and say, well, under the circumstances, I am. We are not under the circumstances. We dictate to circumstances. We aren't focused on circumstances. We are focused upon the leading of the Holy Spirit. What is the leading of the Holy Spirit in my life? Where does God want me to go with the rest of my life? How does God want me to handle this situation? You know the rest of the story. They didn't go into the promised land for over 40 years. Those people that gave that evil report died in the wilderness. Joshua and Caleb went in because they stood on the leading of the Holy Spirit. And God rewarded their faithfulness. But if you get a grip of how important it is that the most important thing in your life should be to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And you might say, well, wait a minute. I thought the most important thing is to exalt Jesus. If you're following the leading of the Holy Spirit, you are exalting Jesus. Because everywhere the Holy Spirit goes, everything the Holy Spirit does, He declares the things of Jesus to us and the Holy Spirit always exalts the name of Jesus. Let's stand to our feet. God has a wonderful plan for your life. God has a wonderful plan for America. God has a wonderful plan for the nations of this world. But we know this. We know that nation after nation after nation will turn against God. We know that there are many situations and circumstances where the governments will come against God. We are living in an era in our own nation where we have serious, serious problems. But we are above governments. We are above circumstances and situations. We are going from glory to glory. The scripture that the Lord gave me in the beginning for these series that I'm I'm putting together was in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 and 58. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Therefore, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. What is the work of the Lord? It's doing whatever God said. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.